Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of Season 2 on Every Version Ever. My name is Jonathan North, and this month we're going to be looking back at a series I originally did on iHeartMovies, covering Francis Hodgson Burnett's The Secret Garden. So for this first episode, my cousin Sarah is joining me to talk about one of the very first screen adaptations of the story from 1949 starring Margaret O'Brien. When we started planning for this series in 2019, we chose this version to start with because it's the oldest one we could actually find a copy of. I believe there was at one time an older version, however, sadly, like a lot of very old media, it seems to have been lost to time. So unless a copy of that turns up, this film from 1949 is currently the oldest adaptation of The Secret Garden in existence. Now, as you'll probably be able to tell when we get into this, we actually recorded this quite some time ago. I think we recorded this around the same time that I actually started iHeart Movies. So at this point, my format has changed quite a bit, including the fact that I do my intros separately now. Back when we recorded the original episode, we just kind of started with an intro, but instead of cutting it out now, I just left it in because we kind of just segue from that into our conversation. Okay, I think that's about it for an intro, so let's get on to this very first episode of Season 2, starting our series looking at The Secret Garden. Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of our brand new series, looking at The Secret Garden. I think we're going to call it The Secret Garden Series, but basically this is Wonderland Wednesday, except The Secret Garden. <laughs> we wanted to talk about all the different versions out there that people have made of The Secret Garden, because that's another book that we both really like, the one that we grew up reading, watching at least one version of. I don't know if you watched any others, but there was one version in particular that I loved, watched multiple times, and I kind of just wanted to see what else was out there. And I thought it would be fun to do another series sort of in the same vein as Wonderland Wednesday and just explore the things that people have made throughout the decades. I've read the book a few times and kind of grew up watching the one from the 90s. So it was interesting to try out something different. Disappointing. <laughs> interesting. Well, for this one, we were discussing which ones we wanted to talk about first. And Sarah told me that there was one from the 1940s that had the little girl from Meet Me in St. Louis. Is that the movie? Yeah, Margaret O'Brien. I wanted to go back as far as we could in the versions. And there was one that was even earlier from the teens or 20s, I believe. But it's believed to be lost. So this is as old as it's probably going to get unless there's something that somebody knows about. Feel free to throw it out there. We've had surprises with Alice in Wonderland, that's for sure. Yeah. This one doesn't seem like it's been made as many times, mm -hmm. though it's just as worthy. Yeah. I think it's a really beautiful story. Very heartwarming. It's a very thought-provoking story. So was there any particular reason that the one from the 40s stood out to you as one that you wanted to watch first? Because it was the oldest. I guess I was, I was flexible, but you know me. The interest is tends to be with the really old stuff. And, yeah, I was willing to start somewhere else. But I was, I also thought that Margaret O'Brien would be great. Mm -hmm. She's a great actress. I've watched her in other movies where she did a wonderful job. And 
And they just wasted her in this film. I think that she did what they wanted her to do. It's just that whoever wrote the script mm-hmm. made the, the wrong kind of deviations. The script was the biggest thing wrong with this movie. There were some weird choices in the movie. Very weird choices. The people who should have looked sickly didn't look sickly. So one of the things with The Secret Garden that you have to realize when you watch an adaptation is that when Mary was growing up in India, she was sickly and deprived of affection. So when she came to England, she had yellow skin, stringy hair. She was, if she wasn't emaciated, she was pretty close to it and a sour disposition. So that's where you get throughout the book all of these different comments about her looks whether for better or worse and as she becomes healthier you have people commenting about how you know her appetite and how she's looking better but in this film when they're constantly making comments about her looks it kind of throws you off she doesn't look any different from beginning to end she's a pretty girl all the way through And then they also have the bizarre choices that they've made with Archibald Crane. Where he is almost psychotically saying, I had hoped you would be beautiful. I mean, he sounds like a pedophile or something. Almost, yeah. And, like, why do you care whether she's beautiful or not? You're going to go off on vacation in Europe, you weirdo. Well, we hadn't read the book in ages before we watched this version it had been a few years maybe for me maybe it's been longer than that little do i realize it's been like six or something well the the fact that people kept commenting on her looks just really stood out to us because yeah we didn't realize we hadn't remembered how sickly she was in the book and she does not look like that at all in the movie but i had remembered that she gained health in yeah. the book and i and i went ahead and read the book afterwards so i'm more prepared for this and it's one of those things between watching two different versions and reading the book now i have to try and keep everything straight <laughs> archibald crane was just a really messed up dude in this version i feel like oh i don't even know where to start well, the, the main weird thing about him was that they kept making it seem like maybe he killed his wife. He really seemed on edge. And he, you know, as he's talking to her, he throws a glass behind him and breaks it. And he does that more. Doesn't he do that more than once mm-hmm. in the movie? And one of his, he says to her plainly that he drinks. I mean, they make him this really weird kind of disturbing character and speaking of weird and potentially disturbing mary's character is supposed to become sweeter and better throughout the story and every time you turn around mary's yelling and telling somebody that she hates them whether it really makes sense or not she kind of flip-flopped back and forth between who she was at the end and who she was at the beginning which like there was no consistency to her character and she had no real character development Yeah, and she's supposed to be spirited, but get better throughout the book. So they muffed that. And Colin looks strapping. He looks so healthy. (laughs) Probably one of the better 
cast characters was Dickon. I, you know, wasn't in love with him either. I love the character in the book, but he did all right. Mm-hmm. And he was actually British. Uh, Martha was maybe... I feel like she was overdone. Yeah, she was not nearly as good as the one from the 90s. Yeah, the one from the 90s is literally British, and it was just more natural, and I feel like the Martha on this one was a little bit hammy. That actress is very good at being hammy, if you were to watch her later on on a Disney movie. (laughs) Um, But I don't know how well she... She also didn't seem young enough to be the character that she was supposed to be playing. She seemed more like Dickens' yeah. mother than his sister. It would it would have worked. It, I mean, it worked, but Martha in the book, you get the impression that maybe she's like 14 or something. Not that old. Dickens himself is 12, I think, ish. And yeah. I haven't read the book in a long time. You've read it sooner than well, I Well, the garden had been locked up for 10 years. So mm-hmm. Colin and Mary, 10 years old. And Dickon, I think, was 12. Just a little bit older. And in the book, Martha, you know that she's older than 12. But you get the impression that she's still just a girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, they... It wasn't supposed to be funny, but when you get into the garden, there's an axe in the tree, and (laughs) there's tea set out on this table and a fallen limb over top of the tree. Like, it looks like... Over top of the tea set? Oh, yeah. There's a fallen limb over top of the chair. Yeah. Where she had supposedly been sitting. Now, if... If your body was pinned under a tree limb, don't you think that they would move the tree limb to remove you? Mm-hmm. They, and and this whole thing of acting like it's potentially murder, it's so not in line with the book. They're actually more open in the book about what actually happened with Colin and... His mother, then probably in either of these versions. At some point, when you go into the garden, it switches to Technicolor. For most of the film, it's black and white. And that would be lovely if the film itself had been more magical up to that point. Yeah. But up till that point, it's just... When you get to that point, it, it it's almost like, well, that's nice. <laughs> Yeah, it felt like something that could have been a really beautiful reveal, but it just seemed like a weird choice in a movie that was already weird. I did like the choice, but it seemed wasted on this particular version. And they kept him psychopathic too long. Mm, Yeah. Archibald, that is. So when he's reunited with his son and he's happy again... It's like, you weird, drunken psycho, all of a sudden you're happy because your son is walking, your very healthy-looking son is walking. There's just... Don't bother. (laughs) Just don't bother. I mean, read the book. Read the book, if anything. Also, 
I'm going, okay, I have a couple of animal complaints. One is the robin is a huge part of this story. Like, the robin gets so much press in this book. Mm -hmm. There's even a portion of the book literally told from the robin and his mate's perspective. There's this whole chunk of a chapter where it's hmm. like you're inside of their heads. Interesting. I don't remember that. Yeah, neither did I. It's awesome. And at first they're kind of disturbed by Colin trying to learn how to walk. And then, you know, it occurs to him that, you know, the fledglings are clumsy as well when they first come out. So maybe they're trying to help the boy to learn how to walk. And, you know, he shared this with his mate and they felt better. And just all of these different things. <laughs> You know, these these humans weren't very clever. They're not sure that they ever do learn to fly. But <laughs> it's adorable. But in this film, you have, like, this raven, like a raven that Dickon uh -huh. owns, and he's the one that leads the way to the garden, not the robin. Also, the fox looked like a domesticated fox like the color didn't even look true to a wild fox i don't know what where they dug this fox up i don't know if this is before the russian breeding program was it russian i don't know <laughs> but you know it just which would be far less of a complaint if i didn't have so many other complaints the robin is a bigger deal than the fox i should just be happy that they had a fox i suppose <laughs> We could have replaced it with a badger. Oh, that would have been so cool. <laughs> ah, English badgers are adorable. I guess I was thinking of a feral American badger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are like little memes about English badger versus American badger. Like one of them wants to have you over to his cottage for tea and the other one's waiting in alley with a shiv or something. <laughs> <laughs> I never realized, it never dawned on me, when you actually look at them side by side, you have the little English badger like, oh, I'm so cute. And the other one's just like, go kill you. Don't mess with me. It's not a wolverine, it's a badger. The wolverines are their own thing. So yeah, ours are scarier. For some reason and you guys get the adorable ones i don't know i guess that's okay whatever whatever god decides needs to be placed where but now i'm just gonna this is just gonna be an edited ramble about how much <laughs> i like english badgers and how creepy ours are but i still want to see one of ours i might as well ramble some more since this is gonna get edited <laughs> well it might end up in the podcast version <laughs> oh well anyway I love fox. I love foxes and badgers. And robins. Well, that's true. But technically ours are much different than the English ones. Ours are in the thrush family. <laughs> and yours are in the I have no idea what family. <laughs> <laughs> but they're both great. Anyway, I don't know if I'm done complaining about this. <laughs> Was there any, at any point, did his wife call him back? Was it just the doctor that told him to go back? How did, how did he end up going back to the garden, even? He was going to sell the house. 
was the I think maybe the doctor had convinced him that he needed to be a better parent, and so he had this whole thing of how he was going to take Colin away. Colin didn't really want to go, mm-hmm. but he was going to go for the sake of his, the relationship with his father. And then you have this guy coming to look at the house and acting like he wishes that there was a ghost story or something to go with it. Meanwhile, this guy's, like, tortured because the house is a horrible place for him. And he, yeah, it works out. But that was totally not in the book. There was no talk of selling the house. But even though even though the way it worked out was kind of weird because the they figure out what's going on with the garden and then the guy the guy just decides oh i don't want to buy it anymore because everybody's happy like they had already done like the paperwork and everything and didn't the guy like rip up the contract probably it was just weird probably which the book in itself is more mystical than this version this Mm -hmm. is almost yeah this is just weird yeah like I said, don't bother. And this is me talking about a film with Margaret O'Brien in it. So if they did not dispose of her talents properly, then shame on them. Anyway, that's about all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we can end this one here. We're going to be talking next week about... One that we liked far better. The one that we both grew up on from 1993. Yes. So I'm looking forward to talking about that one because I loved that movie. It's actually magical. Yes. It's not totally accurate to the book either, but... But the things that they did fit and don't feel forced and creepy. Well, maybe one part. But yes, the alterations fit far more with the actual book mm-hmm. the spirit of the book so you get to look forward to that okay so we'll see you next week when we talk about the 1993 version bye bye <laughs> thanks again to sarah for joining me for this episode this series was partly her idea as we both grew up with this story and like we said in the show we also both grew up with one very particular adaptation of the secret garden the 1993 version starring Maggie Smith as Mrs. Medlock. Of course, it also has Kate Maberly as Mary, but pretty much everybody knows this was the version with Maggie Smith. And yes, since that was the version we grew up with, it probably would have made the most sense to actually start with that one as it was our favorite, but we were so sure we had a winner with the 1949 version that we decided to begin there instead. Oh well. Next time, we'll actually move on to the 1993 version, which is still, to this day, in my opinion at least, the very best version out there. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Every Version Ever.